Today's scripture reading is found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9 and verses 18 through 23. Take a moment to turn to the text in your Bible and follow along. The reading will also be on the screen behind me. In that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him. So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Okay, you can sit. You can sit now. So, again, welcome. Uh, we, if you're new with us, we, we're typically preaching through books of the Bible. That's, that's kind of our, our way uh, here. And, and we find ourselves in the parables of Jesus. And the parables are, are one of my favorite things uh, to read through. And this parable, in particular, has a lot of meaning to me. I have been wrestling with this parable for, for a while. Over the last 6, 12 months, it's just the Lord has done so much with this particular parable in my life has had such a, an impact on it. So I'm excited to get into it uh, this morning. And, and I, I'm excited because it's familiar. Like we probably, most of you have heard this parable before, certainly uh, felt board material, this kind of thing. And it's also unfamiliar. And it's unfamiliar because we live in a different time. This is 2023. We live in a different time than the listeners of Jesus. And I'll, I'll prove the point how many farmers do we have in the audience? We got one. Okay, Richard, yeah, farmer. All right, well, that's close. <laughs> one farmer. How many gardeners do we have? A couple gardeners, lots of gardeners. Okay, our family falls in that, that camp. Uh, how many houseplants? Yeah? All right, we'll pretend that counts. How many, how many think your food comes from an app on your phone? Do not, don't answer that. Okay, don't answer that. So it, we are not an agricultural 
society. It's, it's not something that we are super familiar with. And so a lot of times when we're looking at the parables, we have to dive in a little deeper because there's some things that they would have inherently understood that just that doesn't click for us. A lot of Jesus' teachings are rooted in understanding the way that agricultural actually works and how that then overlays into our spiritual lives. If you've been around me uh, at all, you know I, I love nature. I, I love agriculture. I, I spend a lot of time kind of uh, playing with it. And, and the architecture is kind of what, what grabs me. It's the soil in particular. I think that the soil is just such a cool metaphor. Uh, it just makes it really, really clear uh, in, in order of getting a window into following Jesus. And art is similar. So parables and art, they're kind of similar in a way. If you've been with us for a couple of weeks, uh, we've had a different art piece every week. And so grateful that our, that our creators are engaging in this series. And those pieces are not necessarily for illustrative reasons, meaning like, hey, we want to demonstrate this kind of thing. They're actually meant to, to go alongside the parable and then kind of invite you into a time with the Lord to be able to, to kind of see what the Lord would have for you. And this week, we have a, a little bit of a different Piece and you can't you can't see this. Our, our piece this week is from Allison Jesse, and she did what's called a, a lino print. So this is a piece of linoleum. Some of you may be familiar, like the stuff that you that you walk on. Yeah, some of you some have that, right? She carved an image into a piece of linoleum and created this, right? And it's moments like this where I'm like, I have no discernible talent whatsoever, right? This is linoleum, and she turns it. Um, into this. And so it's just really cool. I know Allison really well, and, and just her story with creating this piece was really, really kind of neat uh, to hear. And, and art, in the same way that parables are both instructive and invitational. So parables, they're instructive. We're going to learn something this morning, but they're also invitational in that there's going to be something that sits with us, hopefully, and, and that we take away and that the Lord uses over time. There's more depth to it. It gives us clarity and it sits with us. Art is similar. Art is similar to that. So we could spend 12 weeks on soil. Um, I'm going to do my very best to, to not go on tangents this morning. This is like my favorite thing uh, to talk about. We could spend a long, a long time here. So I'm just going to talk about good soil this morning. So if you're looking at your text, verse 23, I'm only going to cover good soil. And my prayer has been, as I've kind of said in this, that if we can get a handle on good soil, if we can kind of get a picture for what good looks like, then it makes it, the rest of it would, would make a lot more sense. All right, so let's, let's jump in just a little bit. A few orientation elements before we get started. First is you are not the sower. You're not the sower. I, I've, I've heard this one kind of taught a few different ways. I'm not saying those, those ways are wrong, but in, in this morning's kind of wrestle as, with the text, you are not the sower, which makes you what? The soil. That's right. We're the soil. So there's four types of, of soil, and those uh, pieces of soil are pictures. They're pictures of our heart's readiness to be able to receive what the Lord has for us. We're going to be the soil, in particular looking at good soil this morning. Second orientation point is that this is not a static look at your heart. It's not a static look or a, or a point in time look. This is actually a picture of the kind of totality of your life, like the ecosystem of your life and how you spend uh, your time, not just a point in time. So uh, we're the soil, and we're going to be looking at how that soil looks in terms of how your heart kind of overlays into that from a daily kind of a daily walk kind of thing. Okay, so 
Elements that contribute to good soil, we're going to go through three, and I think we're going to see that there's some relationships in, in the soil that, that on the surface they don't make, make sense, but I think as we sit with them, they will start to give us a picture for what the kingdom is really like, and then I'm going to start with this one, and they get progressively harder, okay? They get progressively harder. So first one is this, good soil is not static, it has to be tended. Good soil is not static, it's not... There's not such a thing as um, completed soil. It's not in the same way that you might complete a house or you might complete a project. Soil is always something that is either moving towards health or it is moving towards unhealth. It's never sitting still, and it doesn't happen. It doesn't just happen. Good soil doesn't come about by accident. The difference is in how well the soil is cared for. And so I could walk into your... Uh, gardens or Richard's farm and be able to, to look at the soil there and I could, I could tell how well you're tending it by looking at the soil. The soil is a picture into the health of a place. And most of the time that we're spending, if, if you're kind of familiar with this, is on soil. It, it's not necessarily on harvest. We tend to think about getting the fruit out of, out of the thing. Most of the time is actually spent on the soil, and it's generally done in a rhythm. There's a rhythm of weeding and, and composting and cover cropping and all of these things that we do to be able to prepare the soil to be able to receive the seed, to get it to where it's healthy, and we do that together typically. So like in our family's environment with our gardens, we're usually doing that with people from our community. Our friends come and they help us with the garden, and we talk about soil, and we kind of work on that kind of thing. We also have friends who will come over and eat the harvest, right? Can't bat a thousand, right? So community's messy. All right, so a lot of this is, how does this, what's the parallel of this to our spiritual walk then? Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He had a way, he had a way. His day was shaped around the word of God. It was bathed in prayer. We get to see a lot of his prayers throughout the gospels. He, silence and solitude were a normal thing for him. Frustratingly so. The disciples, they would be doing good work, they would look up, and Jesus would be gone. Where did Jesus go? Well, he went away. He went away to the quiet. He went away to be by himself with the Father, right? So Jesus has this, this way, this intentional life rhythm that positioned him to be in front of the Father, to position him to be able to receive what the Father was giving him to do. Now, many of us just kicked off our practice groups. Uh, my family started uh, last week, and practice groups are really the primary way that we do that here at the parks. It's, it's how we walk through life together, or students on, on Wednesday night. That time together is how we practice the way of Jesus together. This is a community thing. We take from Paul, who instructs us to train in godliness, to, to practice. Our faith is something that is practice. You don't learn to Sabbath, for instance, by coming and listening to a talk. You understand what Sabbath is, and then all of a sudden you're an expert at that. It's something that has to be practiced and, and done within community. Many of you practice fasting this week. So we call it a, a kind of prayer and fasting week um, in consideration of kind of these things that the Lord has given us to do, and, and many of you ventured into that. And some of that was new for some of you, and I've heard some cool stories just about how the, the Lord worked through fasting as something that we practice. So good soil is not static. It's moving towards health or it's not. And our life is, is no different. The, the shape of your day is really important. It's really, really important. And it's directly related to this health of your soil. The health of your heart 
is shaped by that. Now, anytime, anytime we talk about relationships or, or, or you doing something, that needs to be put in its proper place. It needs to put it proper relationships. So I'm going to illustrate it like this. So if you came to a farmer, um, there's two things that he would be, or she, would be equally confused by. The first is this. If you came and you said, I did all this work, I have earned my harvest. The farmer would probably have a lot of empathy for you because he, it, it's kind of intuitive, you know, I could see how you could get there. You work hard and then you get something. But if you have spent any time in soil, is that true? Work really hard and then boom, massive harvest comes up. At least not in Texas that doesn't happen, right? We tend the soil and the father brings the harvest. This is the relationship, okay? The second thing that the farmer would be confused by would be this. I'm sitting in my chair and I'm waiting on the harvest, right? The farmer would be very confused by this. My, my grandfather was a farmer. He would probably say something like, you must be from the city if you think that, that you can just sit in a chair and everything is going to come to you. There's no version of agriculture where you sit and then just the harvest comes, comes reaping in, right? It's by design. There's a role that you play and the role is to tend the soil and the same is, follow, it's the same is true in following Jesus. So grace and God's work and practicing the way of Jesus, kind of our work, they're in a relationship. They're not at odds to one another. Tending our soil puts us in a position to be able to receive and to be in front of the Father and the Spirit. So good soil is not static. We have to tend to it. Good soil is also unhurried. It's unhurried. Can't speed it up. Don't try. Have you ever gone to Home Depot and you got the paid good money for the good soil, you brought it home, and then nothing happened, right? Wasn't ready. Soil wasn't ready. Give me the art piece again. This, this kind of layering, it takes time, right? Soil has a process. It takes time. It doesn't appear overnight, and this kind of thing, this time, grates against us. It grates against us. We like now, we would like for it always to be harvest time, always to be harvesting. That would be really cool, but that is not the way of soil, and it is not the way Jesus produces fruit in our lives. He does that over time. Now, soil, it needs the cool and the hot. Not 108, 98. Cool, it needs the cool and the, and the warm, right? It needs to break down nutrients. It needs to compost. It needs to sit. It needs to rest. It needs to be planted. The seeds need time to be able to develop. This is just, this is the way of the soil. This is all necessary to prepare for the seeds to be able to take root. You try this kind of always harvest time mentality, and it would actually ruin the soil. It would ruin the soil. And that's kind of what we've gotten in some of the commercial agriculture. Tangent, I'm going to leave it there. All right, so spiritual parallel to this is hurry and a distorted view of productivity. Moving faster and faster, moving faster and faster. Now, can you be unhurried, and productive. You can. You can. Jesus was frustratingly unhurried. But I don't think anyone would argue that he was unproductive, right? I don't think so. I think his work was, was pretty good, right? But following this kind of way of Jesus, where you, you have this way and it's super unhurried, this is, this is not an easy thing to do. It, it's certainly not popular, but this is what puts us in a position. If if the shape of the day puts us in position or proximity, being unhurried gives us the space to be able to listen. That is the point of the unhurriedness, to be able to actually listen 
to what the Father is trying to say, to say to us. I was flying home from a client thing that I had to do a couple weeks ago, and I'm sitting on a plane, I'm listening to podcasts. One of my favorite times, that, it's, <clears throat> I don't get to listen to long podcasts, so this is like, I love sitting on a plane. Listening to podcasts, and I listen to this really good one, and it's on, it's a theology podcast, and it's on uh, grace, and, and it was really good, and I was encouraged by that. And then I, I flipped over to a business podcast. And if you're in my space, I'm, I'm in the technology space, the, you probably listen to this podcast. It's these four guys, and they have built everything you've ever heard of, right? Like, it's just like, they're the guys. And I would be willing to guess that a few of you have been uh, probably playing on one of their platforms while I've been speaking. And that's not to make you feel guilty or, or to shame you. It's to prove the point that they're really good at what they do, right? They're really good at capturing our attention. It's either that or I'm, I'm super boring. But the point is, is they know what they're doing. And so I'm listening to this podcast, and after 30 minutes or so, I turn the podcast off. And I remember thinking to myself, uh, I can't use any of this. I can't use any of this. And I don't mean this in the general sense of like business principles. I just mean for, for this 30 minutes, the things that they were going through, I just, I, I can't use this strategy. I, I can't use these tactics. I can't use the intent. I can't use the incentives. I can't really use anything that they just walked through. And I remember sit, sitting in my seat and I could see all these screens that are open, you know, other people working on their things. And I remember feeling this like really, honestly, I felt lonely. I felt really lonely sitting in that seat by myself. And I felt the Spirit kind of bring this word um, exile to my mind. And I wasn't lonely for long. I, I felt like this deep sense of, of the Lord's presence there in that moment, almost to the extent that, not almost, he, he was there before I got there. Has that ever happened to you, where you're like in your circumstance, and you're like, wow, he was there waiting on me when I got there. But it was still this feeling of loneliness. And our, our students are going through this uh, series called How to Human, which I just love. And it's such a, Dave, such a Dave title. I love it. I love it. How to Human. Students, this getting comfortable with exile, this kind of feeling of being different is... Get comfortable with it. If, if you want to follow Jesus, then his way is just really different. You know, his way for business in my world is different, but his way for your school is different. His view of the outcast, the people being bullied at school, his view for that's different. His view for your sexuality is different. It's different. And you're going to run up against this where you feel kind of this sense of loneliness, and you're going to find that he's there waiting on you. And you're also going to find what I found, which was... I, I could hear and feel my brothers and sisters that I do life with speaking into that moment. I could feel my time with them, their encouragement, they're speaking into my work, encouraging me into my work, into that moment, and, and I just felt this peace come over me. That's, that's what happens. And so I feel I don't need to retreat from that environment. I need to hold fast. That's where the Lord has put me. I keep asking him to put me on a farm, but he is unhurried. He's unhurried. And so I stay. And so his way is different. His pace is different. And why does he use moments like that? Why does he use airplane moments where you're kind of by yourself? What is, what is he doing in that moment? So good soil is tended to and it's unhurried. But the, the basis of good soil is actually death. The foundation of good soil is death. Now that may seem like a hard right. Death? Yeah. 
things have to decrease in order for seeds to take root and increase. It is the way of soil. There's no good soil without death. There's no good soil without things being broken down so that those seeds can land. And our spiritual lives are, are the same way. They're the same way. And I think about it, if you, if you look at Jesus' life, what would you say is the, the secret to his power? What made him him? I, I, he was God, yes. But what's the second thing that made him him? I'm pretty sure it's this. He talks about it all, but it's no secret. He talks about it nonstop. Philippians 2, let's, let's look at this together. Who, this is Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He fully emptied himself. This is the source of Jesus's power, his, his emptiness in allowing the Father to work through him. So the main question for us this morning as we're thinking about good soil is, do we? Do we count equality with God as something to be grasped? And trust at this kind of level, right? Jesus instantly obeys. But be careful here. Be very unhurried in answering this question. And the caveat this morning is that you have to answer the question with your actual actions. What does your life say? Does your life say that you do not count equality with God as something to be grasped? So let's take a quick stroll through Jesus' action. The Father loved you so much. This is John 3.16, right? Loved you so much that he sent Jesus to save you, right? Jesus decided to go. That, that's just like something that's been sitting with me all week. Yes, the Father loves you and sent Jesus, which is miraculous. But Jesus decided to go. There's two people there, right? Jesus decides to go. He empties himself, becomes a man, humbles himself in every way. He shows us this kind of way to live in a very unhurried way. The Beatitudes from, from his big kind of power sermon, right? Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes. What does it start with? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, which means humble. It means lowly of heart, right? No accident that it starts there. He, he teaches through the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his, his head. He lives this really simple existence. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? Serve. When he's at the Last Supper and he starts washing feet, which is really abrasive to Peter. Peter's having none of it, if you remember this passage. He's, this is ridiculous. I'm not, you're not touching my sandals, you know? Like, he's very upset about it because he's Jesus. You're not going to wash my feet. Are you kidding, right? And this is what Jesus said. I want us to sit with this for a second. John 13, uh, verse 13. You call me, to, he's talking to his, to his team here. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, so pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Servant is not greater than his master. Is he giving us a thing to do here or a posture that we're to live into? Maybe both, but the latter for sure. This is the posture that we're to have. The next day, 
he gets sent to a cross to die for blasphemy, which is a very insulting thing if you're the pure manifestation of relationship and communion with the Father. He goes to die on a tree that he created by people that he created. He's left alone. And he goes in full humility. Does he go because he wants to go? Is that what we see in the garden? Is, is he thrilled to go to the cross? No, but he goes. Why? Because the Father asks him to. And he fully submits that that has to be the best way if that's what the Father has asked me to do. How does this kind of relate back to us? So let's go back to Philippians 2 and look at verse 5. How do, what do we take from, from this? Have the same mind. Have the same mind among yourselves that you would empty yourself, that you wouldn't count equality with God as something to be grasped. Do as I do. The servant is not above the master. Jesus, in this relationship, Jesus is not to do all the dying. Jesus is not to do all the dying in this relationship. We are to join him in that, dying to ourselves so that he can fill us up with himself. So back to our question. Do you count equality with God something to be grasped? Good soil, <coughs> excuse me, good soil is tended to, it's unhurried, it requires death. But, but seeds can grow there. Seeds can grow in good soil. We kind of go back to our text this morning, 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it and bears fruit and yields, in one case 100, in one case 60, in one 30. The way of Jesus is this really upside down thing. The way is upside down, but the fruit is also really upside down. So this is talking about fruit. The fruit's upside down as well. I was recently uh, sat down with, to lunch with one of my, uh, my counterpart at our biggest competitor. And I was going to be in the same city, and I knew we were there, and I'd met him before, and I just felt like the Lord prompt me to say, hey, sit down, sit down with this guy. So I reached out, and we worked it out, and I ended up sitting down, sitting down with him. And once I sat down, we got into this conversation almost immediately. It turns out he serves in his community in a similar way that you guys allow me to serve here. And so he was just walking through all that the Lord is doing in their community. And they've gone through a lot of tragedy and loss. And he's just talking about times are not good circumstantially where he is, and just talking about how faithful the Lord has been and how much the Lord is moving in people's lives. And it was just, I was just, and I was encouraging to hear that. I told him what's going on in our community and how the Lord's moving here and how the Lord's working in good and in, in bad uh, circumstances. We talked a little bit about work, mainly uh, just loathing this remote work culture. Um, I know some of you are big fans. Uh, I'm not... Um, I'll just leave it there. I'm not. But we got to spend even more time just hearing him talk about his team, and he just loves his people, and he loves their mission, and he loves their clients, and he's just, I, I just, I feel like I have so much to learn from him. He's just doing such a great job um, leading and serving, serving his team. So most encouraging lunch that I've been to in a long time, and it was with, you know, one of our biggest competitors, Right. And so the next day, the literal next day, I'm in a client meeting, and uh, it's a client that we share because it's a, it's a large organization, and that client asked me to ask if our team would be willing to replace their technology. And so the question here 
is if we zoom out, how is the kingdom advancing in this scenario? Or, or let's use our, how, where is the glory and good in this scenario? Two brothers in Christ, right? Loves their teams, loves their communities, faithful to what the Lord has called them to do. And it doesn't matter that, that in this scenario, I'm, pretend he's winning and I'm losing, right? Same situation. Is the Lord blessing one and not the other? Is, is one team's impact the thing that they're building, the thing that they're doing, is one team having more impact than the other team? This is the kind of thing that creates jobs, and it's the kind of thing that reduces jobs. And so some people are going to have their prayer answered from being able to step into a new vocation, and that's going to be really neat. There's going to be other people who are moved to prayer because they lost a job that they didn't do anything wrong. That's just the way that these things go. Is the Lord moving in one and not the other? How do we think about glory and good here? How do we think about it here? And musicians, you can start to come up and ushers, we're going to land here. We have to know what the Lord is actually after to be able to answer this question. Where is the glory and good? We have to know what the Lord is after, and we have to know what he wants to give us, what he wants to give you and I. And then we have to ask the question, do we want the same thing? Do we want the same thing? He's after changed hearts. It's what he's after. And he has exactly one thing to give you, which is more of himself. He wouldn't be the loving father that he is if he gave you anything other than that. More of himself. It's through heart change that glory and good comes into the world. It's how the kingdom advances. This upside-down nature of, of the kingdom of God, the, the Lord is both in and beyond circumstances. He, in the above example, is the kingdom advancing in one, this situation or that? My prayer is yes. Is the Lord moving and changing hearts in this situation or in this situation? This circumstance, that circumstance. My prayer is absolutely. Absolutely, he is. We want so badly to kind of rationalize things. But he loves you so much that he will use everything at his disposal to change your heart, to break down barriers. If that's a job, it's not going to stop him, whether that's giving it or taking it. And so do we get to celebrate good things? Absolutely. You bet. Christians should be the most celebratory people on the planet. Do we get to mourn, to lament when difficult things happen? Absolutely. Absolutely. In both scenarios, we get to anticipate that the Lord is there. He's already there, waiting on us. And how he wants to use that to change our hearts so that he can give us more more of himself. He's looking for faith and obedience. So his invitation this morning, it's true every day, it's true today, is not to step into some great circumstance or a different circumstance or, or whatever. His invitation is to have faith, to step out, step out of the boat, if you remember that story. Come be changed. Stay there. 
abide with me is his invitation. Do you want the same thing that he does? Are you willing to trust him in the way that he wants to give that to you? The kingdom's upside down. It's different. Let's pray that God gives us the faith to leave it that way and to say yes. Father, thank you for your generosity, the generosity of the sower. The generosity of the sower is what makes it well with us. So I just pray as we enter into this time of of grabbing communion and of just meditating on what you're after. Father, I pray that you would break up the soil. Would you break up the soil this morning? In Jesus' name.